If you ever thought about becoming a freelancer but wondered if you could make it, you've come to the right place. This is Freelance Can I Really Make It? The podcast about the ups and downs and hardships that we deal with as freelancers, but how we actually make it out and have long, fruitful, successful careers. I am your host, Ahmed. I'm Creative Roberson. Let's get on with the show. Let me start off this episode by saying, welcome back. Thank you guys for coming back. Round of applause for you guys. I appreciate you guys coming back all the time. And just as a reminder, if you didn't already know, but you should know if you've been listening to my other episodes, if you're looking to advertise on this podcast to let the world know who you are, to let the world know where you are, how they can find you and do business with you, you may want to consider advertising with me. And if you wish to do so, we can discuss it via email. If you email me at Ahmed at aroberson.photo.com. That's A-H-M-E-D at A-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N-P-H-O-T-O.com. We'll talk about it. And next thing you know, next episode or there's episodes after that and beyond and in perpetuity, because they'll always be on my podcast. They'll always be on my website. You'll hear your advertisement opening up or in the middle of my podcast. And with that being said, let's get to the podcast. This one's going to be short and sweet. I know I say that all the time, but this one's probably going to be a little bit shorter unless I get into a rhythm. But as of right now, what I'm thinking about in my head is going to be short and sweet. And that is, what is your creative process? For all of us freelancers, for all of us creatives, what is your creative process? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever hit a a slump like a writer's block or a creative slump where you just couldn't get in rhythm, couldn't get anything to work for you? Do you think it was a result of a bad creative process or maybe you not sticking to your creative process and trying to do something that's different than what you normally do? Like, for example... Some people tend to think that for us creatives, because we're professional and because we've been doing this for a long time and all that stuff, that we can just turn it on like a faucet. That's not necessarily the case. Why do you think some writers will isolate themselves or other creatives, you know, any type of creative? Sometimes we isolate ourselves and get rid of all distractions so we can let our creative juices flow. So we can get our minds working to come up with something to, to get us, get us in that creative space. You know, I mean, oddly enough for me, if I'm in a very loud, distracting environment, that's actually good for me. If no one's trying to talk to me directly, what I mean is I used to promote clubs way back in the early 2000s, 2005 ish, six or seven ish. Something like that. And I would sit in the clubs and instead of partying and looking for women and stuff like that, I'm sitting there thinking about my next move. The music, as loud as it was, was a distraction from all the loudness from the people that were around me. So I would end up being in my own bubble of music so I could think. It's it's weird with all that noise. I could actually think really good with all that music going on around me. And now that I think about it, my car, I know I told you guys I used to do competitive car stereo for years. I've built a nice system in my car today. And 
That is my therapy. When I need to get away from every and anything, I can sit in my car for an hour or more, usually just an hour nowadays because my ear gets sore because it's kind of loud, you know, but I can sit in my car for like an hour or so just listening to music and it cuts off the outside world for me. That's my creative space. I have a couple of other processes, but that right there is my creative space. It, it it blocks everything away and lets my mind wander. So even though the music's going on and I might see cars driving by, depending on where I'm parked while I'm listening to my music, I'm still in my zone. I'm still in my head trying to create or trying to think of my next move. I think best when there's chaos around me, as long as the chaos is not directed towards me. If that makes any sense. I mean, some, I know I'm not the only one that does that, you know, I know there are plenty of other people back when I was in college, you know, I used to date a girl, uh, she would prefer to study with the TV on where me, I'm like, man, I can't study. It's too loud. I wasn't in that, in that headspace at the time, but now I'm there. But what about you? If you want to talk about it, if you want me to talk about it, email me at Ahmed at a Roberson photo.com. Tell me what your creative ideas are or how do you get in your creative space or your creative process. And if it's good enough, if I get enough responses, I'll talk about them on the podcast just to share how other people find their rhythm, find their mojo. Another way for me to do is, you know, I do a lot of online work. I do a lot of advertising photography for online resellers, Amazon, eBay, Walmart, the whole nine, all these other websites out there. A lot of my work is out there. Thankfully, Round of applause for myself, man. I finally did it. You know, I've, I've gotten myself out there. But anyway, I digress. My creative process when I do that, when I land a client that wants to send me a product for me to photograph, first thing I do is study what their competitors are like out there. Because I've mentioned before, it's good to be different, but you want to be different good, not different bad. You don't want to be different for the sake of being different, right? So, I look at competitors out there not to steal their ideas, but to see what's out there and honestly to go against what they're already doing. That way, the the photos that I present to my client stand out from everybody else online because there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of online retailers selling the same product over and over again. So I have to try to create a product image that stands out from all the rest so that when you as a consumer goes on Amazon to look for something to buy, Maybe my photo can be eye-catching enough to take you away from any other product you may have been looking at. So first step, when I land a client, of course, I hear what their needs are, see what they want uh, want the photo to look like, what they, what they want it to be. Then I look at what their competitors are. If they're new to the market, it's wide open. I get creative freedom. You know, they tell me what they want, but I, for the most part, I usually end up with creative freedom. They tell me, you know, go ahead and create. You have experience in this. Do what you do best. And we, we look forward to it, which is cool. But for other, uh, for other retailers, resellers that have competitors in a saturated market, I definitely study the competition. Then the most important part for me, I always tell the client, even though, excuse me, even though oftentimes, well, it depends on UPS and I'm not bashing UPS. They got tons of deliveries to do every day. Sometimes a product arrives early in the morning. Sometimes it arrives late at night. It's just a flip of the coin. And at first I used to get mad, excuse me, at first I used to get mad at UPS thinking, man, they always bring my product late, but sometime I'll be the first on the list and get my product early in the morning before I walk out, uh, before me and Penny go to the park. So it's like, okay, can't blame UPS. It's just one of those things. 
But anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyway, um, depending on what time the product shows up, but I always tell the client, you I'll have your photos ready in one to two days or depending on how the project, how big the project is, two to three days, five or six days. But I tell them that to give me a day or two, even if the product arrives early and it's only one photo I need to take. Trust me, I've been doing this for 17 years. And even in the 17 years I've been doing this, it's not just, oh, you've been doing it 17 years. Just click the photo. and It'll be nice, man, please. It's a lot to product photography. It is a whole lot. And it's not just the photo. It's the preparation, preparation before the photo, then the photo, and then all the editing in uh, afterwards to make sure it's right. What if the product shows up and the box is damaged? You can't just keep telling the client to send more and more photos. What if it's being damaged in transport through UPS? You can write a complaint letter, but that's still not going to guarantee that the box is going to show up right. So sometimes I get a product and the product is in perfect, pristine condition, but the box is shot. So that means that's hours for me to edit the box to make it look nice and new and and fresh for their Amazon listing, which is also why I charge a certain premium for the work I do for per, uh, per photo, because sometimes the product doesn't show up well. And I'm not I can't tell the client, well, I already told you I'm going to take charge you this much for one picture. And then now the box is jacked up. So I'm going to charge you this much to edit it. Now, nah, I charge a premium. Just in case it's already included because it's difficult for me, difficult negotiations and leaves a sour taste in everybody's mouth when you set a price and then you have to go back and try to renegotiate and change that price and charge the client more, especially when the client wasn't expecting the possibility of being charged more. It's a nightmare I wish to avoid. So I charge a certain premium right off the bat. That way I know that. I'm prepared to work on whatever uh, damage may come in the box. Just like when I used to do uh, um, family portraits and whatnot, I already tell the client, well, I already tell the client that retouching is included in the basic photo shoot. And, it, you know, it includes a couple of blemish removals, pimples. Uh, if you got a scar on your face that you don't want there or you burned yourself with the hot comb, I don't know. I'm just saying <laughs> it happens, right? But, uh... <laughs> Um, no, let me throw this one in there. There we go with the laugh track. I'm just being silly right now. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, no, sometimes you end up with scars on your, on your face or something like that. And I anticipate that dealing with clients that might have a pimple blemish or something like that. Anything could go wrong. And standard retouching is always included in my price when they ask me how much my package is, package price is rather, um, so that there are no unexpected costs to come later because that just frustrates people at least in my experience you know i just let them know the price up front and what's included up front if they want additional retouching some super airbrushing and body shaping and stuff like that then they understand that comes at a different premium cost but just standard retouching is always included in my initial price same thing with my client for talk uh my uh corporate commercial clients rather um when i'm doing their advertising and their packaging and photos for that already even i've already included how much i know is gonna well how much work i i anticipate is going to be involved in addition to taking the photos and that's where my price comes from but anyway back to my creative process my creative process again is i tell the client that the photo is going to be ready in one to two days but or, you know, two or three, three or four or whatever, depending on how big the project is. But just for this conversation's sake, uh, I tell them one to two days. And the reason being is because after 
I've negotiated the contract and landed the contract and the contract's been signed and I've already been paid for the job. Now I can take a breath. Now I can, now I can finally exhale. Be like, man, thank God I got this contract. The hard part is over with the negotiation. Now I can get back to what I do, what I can do damn near blindfolded, my photography and Photoshop. But I give myself one day to decompress because it is stressful for me when I'm negotiating these contracts back and forth, because the negotiation process might not necessarily be a headache, uh, depending on the client. Most of my clients knock on wood. Thank God have are, are decent people to work with decent people. They understand the creative part. They understand the creative cost and they're okay with uh, my rate, thankfully, but still I negotiate with them, you know, and it's like, oh man. And I think the more stressful part of, uh, of it for me is number one, explaining my price and seeing, waiting to see if they're going to respond positively or negatively. And then the other part is waiting to see if they're actually going to hire me or not. It's like holding your breath. It's like, yeah, we've been talking, we've been talking. And then, you know, the uh, uh, platform that I use to, um, to land contracts with, you can see who they're interviewing or how many other people they're interviewing. So while I'm looking at how many people they're interviewing and they haven't officially hired me yet, I'm holding my breath. I'm sitting here tense like, man, I hope I land this contract. I hope I land this deal because I got bills to pay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just life. That's just what it is. So I'm waiting for them to um, uh, finally give me the contract when they finally do and they finally sign it and send it and the money's been paid. I exhale. Whew. Thank you. Now, even though I've already studied their competitors and I have an idea of how I want to shoot, that idea may change by the time the package arrives, which is usually two or three more days too. So that gives me time to decompress. But again, I always give them uh, a window of one to two, two to three, three to four, five or six days. But I always give them a window of an extra day or so because I need that day to clear my mind from all the negotiating I did first so I can begin to shoot the photos without being under pressure. So that's my creative process. What about yours? What is your creative process? How do you do your thing? What gets you in the mood? If you're a writer, singer, baker, artist, you know, anything that you do, clothing designer, whatever, what is it that you do um, to get you in the mood or get your mind right rather to get you in the mood to create? How do you get there? Do distractions bother you? Do you need to be in a quiet room? Do you need to uh, go in a sensory deprivation chamber? You know, do you need to blindfold yourself and just rest on the bed with your headphones on and just zone out in your music? Do you do like me, sit in your car with your music blasting uh, to decompress? What is your process? If you like to talk about it, if you want me to talk about it on this podcast to share it with other creatives that are listening, please email me at Ahmed at aroberson.photo.com. That's A-H-M-E-D at a R O B E R S O N P H O T O dot com. And chances are I'll talk about it on the podcast. But before I leave you, just like the last episodes and the episodes before that, pay it forward. If somebody did something nice to you, please do something nice to somebody else. It could make their day. Or even if somebody hasn't done anything nice for you, say hi to somebody when you see them smile. You don't necessarily have to be flirting. Just say hello. Good morning. How you doing? How's your day? Or even if you don't want to say anything out your mouth verbally, 
People talk with their faces more than they do with their mouths. You can see it on somebody's face and they smile and wave at you. You don't even have to say a word. Just smile and wave. It could put that person in a better mood. And if it does and you see their mood lifted by your smile and wave, that could even increase your mood. Everybody's going through a lot of stress right now. Times are tough for just about everybody, at least the people that I know. Maybe I need a new circle of friends. I don't know. What do y'all think? <laughs> anyway, anyway, enough with the bad dad jokes. Uh, yeah, pay it forward. You know, smile to somebody, say hello, say hi. It'll make somebody's day. You don't know what they're going through. It could be tough. You could be going through something tough and you smile at somebody and they smile back. That could take some of that pressure off you. That could get some of that monkey off your back. Hopefully that'll be helpful to you. It works for me. And all I like to do on this podcast is share things that work for me, hopefully to make things better for you. And until then, next episode, I'll have something else to talk about that'll make your lives better, or at least that's the plan. But you won't know until you come back next Tuesday.